said, ah, I says, you know, I says, it's not every time you, you get the opportunity to play with somebody who's finishing their career who has been as special to me as you have, which was very, very nice for him to say. Well, the Open is getting ever closer, isn't it? The 150th edition of golf's oldest and some would say most important, most prestigious major is coming round the bend. We're very excited for reasons that will become very clear on this week's episode of the Bunkered Podcast. Hello, Michael McEwen here. Thank you very much for tuning in. Always a pleasure to have your company. I'm in a good mood today. You may have gathered we're coming slightly late to the podcast realm this particular week, 48 hours later than usual. But that's fine, because we have stuff to talk about. Or rather, I have you stuff, have to, stuff talk to, about. to talk about. Bryce Ritchie, Bunkered Editor, sitting across the way from me. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Good, 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 I, I good. I played golf on Friday night. That's, you, you that's as exciting as it gets. I was meant to be there. I apologise. Life got in the way. Yes. I did want to be there, but you were up at TPC Balfron for yes. a Yes, I played my wee boy, and he threw... A hissy fit on the second fairway because he was playing rubbish golf. The apple does not fall far from yes, the tree. Yes, I did think. I wonder where he gets that <laughs> His uh, mother. No, it was fine. So it was good fun. Excellent. Great weather. Windy. does get windy at the TPC. It but, does. Uh, it was really good. I hit some bad shots and some exceedingly good shots. And I need to, I, I now know that I, I need to go to the, I was going to say the gym. That's very true. But I need to go to the range more often. The range, really? Yeah. Okay. I can't bring my regular game to the golf course. I need to go to the range and get Why the reps. Is that? I need to get the reps in, Michael. Is get it because you're a, a mental midget, or you know, it's just hard to go from one place to the other? Very two very my different environments. My, the range and the course. My game doesn't travel very well, Michael. Like Guinness. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that was it. That was Good. my weekend. Excellent. And I, I gather that you were playing somewhere nice uh, yesterday. Care to? Elaborate. I, mean, I, I, I don't want to dwell on the point too much, obviously. But uh, no, I was playing the old course, St Andrews. It was the Open Championship Media Day. You've been to many of these in the past. Yeah, uh, don't, don't get invited anymore, clearly. One perhaps has stepped into another one's shoes. <laughs> Might be the way that's gone. But or or I would just wasn't invited. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be that. Nice. I'll trying speak to... Nice. to Mike at the army and get that sorted. But, uh, <laughs> you would have enjoyed it yesterday. I know I would have. And Mike, if you're listening, I would have enjoyed it yesterday if I'd been invited. Oh, I didn't. But, no, it's fine. Look, I'm happy to to downgrade and let, let you go. That's oh, thanks, fine. yeah. That's yeah. fine. That's yeah. fine. So what was this open, uh, sorry, old course round number? Four. Four. Four for me, right. yeah. So you've played it four times and I've played it once. All right. Yeah, okay. So... Four one to me, and <laughs> sounds a bit like a podder of merit. I, I, I know you were a bit nervous about your first tee. <sighs> yeah, experience. Look, everyone's nervous on the first tee at the old course. I don't care who you are; it does things to you. I get nervous on first tees generally. I think I'm quite a nervous person anyway. You know me well, so you'd probably, I think, you'd agree with that. I would agree with that. People yes. listening to this podcast will be going, "Wait a minute! You host a podcast. You speak to high-profile people." Not buying that you're nervous, but I think I am generally. So it doesn't really matter where I go or when I'm playing. I always feel jitters or butterflies. Sometimes they're more than others. And Exemplified, yesterday yeah. was absolutely yes. a case in point. But it's funny, on the drive over yesterday morning, it was a half eight start. And on the drive over yesterday, I just had a wee word with myself. and Sort out, Michael. Pretty much, yeah. It's, 
I think I've mentioned this in the pod before that I've come to realise that I don't need to be nervous. I don't need to be angry. You know, all the extremes of emotions that people feel that golf brings out in you. I've learned over the past few years to just bend that as best I can. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not good enough to be angry. I'm no, not good enough to be that nervous. It's hard to do, but totally. I think the thing is, how many people were there? Maybe around the first tee. No, around uh, playing in it. Oh, right. Uh, in terms of media, I think there were maybe 10 to 12 tee times, so you're talking between yeah. 40 and 50. Yeah. Every single person's in the same boat. Correct. That's it. Exactly. The only thing and is certainly that there. there, there, there does be, something to you. Yeah, there'll be people on that, on those steps, just, that's the thing that's slightly different at St Andrews than other courses. When we teed off at Royal Troon, there was nobody there. That's right, yeah. I've played Carnoustie, nobody there. Played Muirfield, there's nobody there. Played Kings Barnes, nobody there. But St Andrews is different because there's always people standing th- behind the tee and they know that you're playing the old course yeah. and you know that they're watching you play the old course and they're just waiting. That's and it. everyone knows of stories of guys, t- like I heard something the other day of some guy who topped his tee shot and it landed in the 18th green. Like, that <laughs> that's terrifying if that happens. So and how many people are watching you? Yes, absolutely, it's possible. I mean, I think probably... I didn't stop to count, put it that way, but a rough guess I would have said there would be about 50 people there. Did you hit your hybrid? No. This is the thing. They closed the St Andrews Lynx Academy. That's where the Tented Village is going to be for the Open this summer. So they've started the build now, which means there's no range to go and hit balls. They would usually use, and I'm sure in the Open they will, the first of the new and the Jubilee as the driving range. But of course, they're still in action as golf courses, so you can't hit balls there. They had one inflatable net to hit shots into behind the grandstand that they've erected to the right of the first. I went down there about 35 minutes before I teed off, and I was determined I was hitting hybrid. I'd made my mind up. About a dozen shots, just bang, bang, bang. And And you've got no idea whether they're massive duck (laughs) hooks. Yes, that is it. They could be duck hooks. You know what? I wasn't even caring. I'm like, contact. Stinger slices. (laughs) 100%. I felt good. So (laughs) I go onto the putting green and I saw a few people that I know, obviously, other media people. They've got starter. They've got various folks standing around. There's photographer. The signage was up. The first tee sign that they're going to use for the Open, that was there. It was only there on one and 18. The other ones aren't up yet. But that in itself is enough to bring out the nerves. So I'm having a few putts and I just hear this. Hello, Michael. And I look round and there's Roger McStravick. Yeah. He has written the books on St Andrews. Uh-huh. Nobody knows it better. And I just thought, as, as, it's always nice to see Roger. Except right then, I just thought, oh no, there's someone else I know. You'll know of every first tee shot. He's seen so many of these. He said to me, we're just having some chit chat, and he said, So, how are you feeling? I went, Yeah, I'm really excited. Like through gritted teeth. And he said, Do you want me to film your tee shot for you? I went, Absolutely not. No way. I don't need that. He's like, Oh, it's just, you know, you could then have it. Nope. No, thank you. No, thank you, Roger. I then get called onto the first tee. The Tannoy announcement goes off. Me and the other guys I was playing with walk onto the tee and there's the claret jug. And again, you're going, Oh no. Oh no. Just little details that bring out the nerves. It was nerves. glued to a table, apparently. Screwed. Yeah, screwed. Yeah, they've got a, won't go into it, I've but got a funny feeling. It in. A funny feeling that wasn't the real claret jug, but we'll move on. 
So anyway, I'm standing and I pull out my hybrid. I am convinced that's the club I'm hitting. Semi-convinced. And then, out of nowhere, Jamie Weir from Sky Sports News appears. I know Jamie really well. He's been on this pod. We're good pals in that sense. And uh, he comes up and he goes, I just had to see this. Had to come and see this. He's teeing off two groups behind me. Again, that makes you nervous. It's another person that I know. He said, you're hitting that, pointing at my hybrid. went, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'd be putting the biggest face I could behind it. No, I did say that to you on the Monday. And that is when I changed my mind. Went back to the bag, pulled out the driver that I haven't hit in 16, 17 weeks. Back to January. All you want to do is just make contact. Spot on. So get called on. It's my turn to go. And suddenly I just felt calm. Like really, really calm. It must be how people feel in the seconds before they're executed. <laughs> it's just, well, I'm resigned to my fate. There's oh, nothing well, that's going to happen anyway. Shung! I'm strapped to the gurney. That's kind of how I felt. Like, well, there's nothing I can do now. I might as well just try my best. Unless it's lethal injection and it can last two minutes. That could be pretty tough. But if it's like... But it's not like you can pull your arm out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. So you just have to accept it and suck it up. Aye. And I absolutely piped it. I know I heard. I absolutely piped it. So what did you have into the green? I had about 65. I think I worked out... Did you really? Yeah. I worked out that I had... Downwind must have been, yeah. <laughs> it was firm underfoot. Aye, it must have been. But I worked out that I must have hit it about 280, 285. I think that's firm conditions and adrenaline. What did we sign for? On the first? Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> no joke. I, again, adrenaline pumping. Thin. Thinned my wedge into the burn. Uh, oh, no way. Did True you? story. <laughs> it bounced once. And I'm, as it's bouncing, I'm going... Another one Because I deliberately did speak to you to ask you what you did, and you yes. did that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's like reminds me of the time we spoke to Oliver Wilson, who had <laughs> was it? He'd won the Dunhill, or was it? He'd won at uh, St Andrews. He, he went we, on to win it anyway. Yeah, and we asked him about playing the old course, and he said, "Yeah, you obviously just don't want to hit it in the barn in the first. That's the key." And then in the first day of the Open Championship, we he stuck it in the barn. <laughs> we thought, wait a minute. That's yeah. what you said not to do, Oliver. So I'm interested because a lot of people say the first time you play the old course, they think, yeah, it's great, but mm. there's elements of it you just think, eh. and I've I've experienced that. There's a large section in the middle where you think, like, there's three holes you think, this is, yeah, that? I wouldn't say the lacking so excitement. Much. Yeah, I, I actually think the, the holes around the turn, like eight, nine, 10, 11, for me, that, that wee stretch there. In fact, I'll throw seven in as well because it's quite quirky. I love that stretch. I think it's great. They're but very basic. Three, four, five, and six are very similar. You know, yeah. they're just, it's the same tee shot. Yes. You're heading out in the same direction. It doesn't really veer off that line. So I can see how by five or six, you're going, oh, another tee shot like that. It's funny because the old course is the most photographed golf course in the world. Some of it is truly iconic. Some of the images are fantastic. But some of the holes are just quite bland. Yeah. In that sense. And I always think, I worry about saying that. This Andrews Links Trust will phone you up and sue you for <laughs> saying that. But it's true. So many players you speak to say the same thing. But it's got something over other courses. Other courses will never have. History. Uh, History is a big part of it. Because we hit the tee shots on 11. Hit the green. Did you? And yeah. Left myself an uphill putt and it came up about two inches short. You, Just didn't hit it enough. Awesome. Can you remember what you hit off, off 11? Off 11, uh, 7. Yeah. Didn't really catch it. 
all that well, which is why I think I was short, but it worked out fine in the end because I left myself that uphill putt. The last thing you want on 11, and they were generous, the Greenies. Shout out to them. They put the pin right at the back. Yeah. So the last thing you want is a downhill putt there. Yeah. But sign for a three. And as I walked off, I did make a point of having a look in the hill bunker mm-hmm. where Bobby Jones had his famous yeah, yeah, head-off yeah. moment in 1921. Yeah. And you can see how. I mean, yeah. that is seven, eight feet high, the the face of it at the, the highest point, maybe slightly more. And I did remember thinking, yeah, I, I get it. But then that went very quickly, and I just thought it's 101 years ago that the most, arguably the most famous golfer until Jack Nicholas came along or Arnold Palmer came along, still talked about to this day, had that moment right there. Yeah, and that's the thing about the, the old course is like the course has changed, but the very basis of the routing and everything is pretty similar for the, since those moments. Yeah. Since it was an 18 hole course. And they'll have changed that bunker. But yeah, he's stood in that bunker. That's that's, that's the great thing. And that's that's the thing about St Andrews is so public and open and you can walk it on a Sunday and uh, it's amazing. And it so is. when you so what so when you're coming in, the best thing for me about St Andrews is when you're walking up the fourteenth fairway and you're coming onto the green. I think at that point, that's when you realise you can see the town. You get a much clearer... I've got weird lenses, so I'm blind anyway, so that's probably why maybe people can see from the 12th. But you can see the town. You get that feeling of it's happening. Yeah, Come, you're suddenly you're playing into the town. Because the thing about that's the old it, course yeah. is it's not really... People say, oh, it's a classic Lynx. No, it's a Lynx course, but I wouldn't say it's a classic Lynx. It's not like a Montrose or a Monifeith or somewhere like that or, dare I say, even a Royal Dornick. It's unique it's it's very own type of course you know large elements of the course were taken and applied elsewhere mm. but not anywhere near in the same way no because a lot of the holes were shared yeah that's why there's so many as was there seven double greens there's only yeah. four four greens or something that are not shared and all the greens that are shared are in and out and it's just that's completely you don't get that anywhere no. else so it's, you're right it's actually not a classic links it's nothing like a, the, the land is yeah but the course itself isn't it's not uh-huh. a classic links course so you're quite right when you play 12 which i think is massively underrated you, you get the sense that you're turning back the way but not a sense of the town mm-hmm. 13 i'll be honest i don't think it's that great hole mm-hmm. but it brings the big double green back into play and again that's the reminder that oh here we are you're right 14 with hell bunker Things starting to encroach on the right-hand side a little bit harder. You can see more of the town. That's when it hits you that, oh yeah, if you'd forgotten, that is. Like, yeah, I'm playing the old course. That's cool. I'm making the march back to town. Yep. So 14. But that point, though, I'm, I'll be honest, I was getting really tired. I'm thinking, why am I tired? I'm still a young-ish guy. I'm still quite a fit guy. Well. What's going on? Yeah. And it hit me at that point that, that it's not about lack of reps as you would put it the old course wears you down you're thinking a lot yeah yeah exactly lots of shots hitting across things where that doesn't feel like the obvious line it's a mental battle which i know sounds like a cliche it's a cliche because it probably originated there it does knacker you you're thinking all the time the putts i realized yesterday i can't read a green to save myself no neither can I. I i i do all the things that it looks like you're meant to do no, the, God the, knows what the, I'm big, for. the big putts there are. The one thing I struggled with at the old course was the approach shots. Yeah, because the the yardages just 
some of the pins are can be 50, 60 yards onto the green. You know, yeah. from where you think the green is, it plays with your head. <laughs> yeah. And then the wind is too club sometimes. And I was leaving approach shots like 40, 50 yards short of the pin. You think, that's ridiculous. You can't get used to that. I had a putt on two, three, six. I only missed one fairway in the, on the front nine. And that was on six. So I'm hitting out the rough and just trying to hit the green. And uh, left myself, I, I paced it out. I thought I had about 100 foot of a putt for birdie. And you're pretty much taking a full swing at it. But I'm again, I'm standing behind the ball, crouched down behind it, trying to find something. You're just going, nah. It's just, all about lags. Just it? hit it. Yeah. What did you do at 17? 17, I played safe. Didn't go over the... <sighs> you no? kidding. By that point, again, my, I didn't feel like I had my driver swing on me. I'd been hitting it really well off the tee for the front nine. But I got spooked on 15. It went, it stayed in bounds, but it went more right than I was expecting. And 16, I hit three wood and it sliced out of bounds. Mm. I'm going, I know myself, I'm tired. I'm not putting the right swing on it. So on 17, I just aimed down the second fairway and hit it straight down the second fairway. You know where the big patch of rough is that splits them? I was on the left side of that. What is the rough like? Not that much. It's you can see they're trying to grow it up though because it's all staked out yeah. and it says no trolleys but play the ball as it lies. So yeah. you're still getting the authentic old course experience, but they don't want you trampling it down basically. Yeah. So I think they're going to grow that up nice, thick and juicy. Oh, don't worry about that. It wasn't wispy stuff either. It was no. thick grasses. Uh-huh. So yeah, that seventeen is going to be absolutely brutal. It's a four and a half anyway, but for those guys, it's you're not going to see many yeah. birdies. When I played seventeen, I cut it over the hotel, and I was hitting my next shot from just at the wall at the jigger right so it was a good shot that's a good shot and then I remember it was into that's wind a ballsy shot actually. I know it was into wind and I think it was a heavy wind and I think I hit a 6 or a 7 iron into that green I think it was a 6 and it absolutely annihilated this ball it was all over the flag and I thought that is superb and I got a round of applause from the guys oh. sitting on the wall where they were like what oh, a shot big man brilliant. and I was 20-30 feet short of the green were you really? Yeah. So the old course is just, I, I think I would have to play it about 10 times to work out how to play it. It's hard. So true. I mean, then, there's a lot of cliches about it as well. People saying left is best. No, it's better than being right. Uh-huh. But it's not like you can just hit everything into the middle of the land and you're going to be fine. That's complete bullshit. And the one the, the one thing is that, is that the amount of people, if you go there on a Sunday, you see people walking all over the greens and stuff. The old course is in immaculate condition yeah. all year round. I mean, I've been there in the third week in December and it's immaculate. I don't know how they do it because it's 40-odd thousand, 45,000 rounds a year. It's the most played golf course in the world and it's always in superb condition. Yeah. I have no idea how they do that. I know they have a lot of money, a lot of the best in the business, but still, that's grass. Correct. How yeah. do they do that? You know, it's incredible. Yeah, it's testament to how good a job they do and what a great greenkeeping team they've got. You know, certainly for the old, as a dedicated team, yeah. they don't necessarily work on the new and the jubilee. There's other teams for yeah. that. You know, that is for Gordon McKee and the guys there. That is their pride and joy, and they know how to do it. Yeah. They've got eighteen. Eighteen. Any cars in danger? No. Actually, it was funny because we played off what I presume will be the championship tee, so it was moved way left. So you're basically hitting right down the middle of the first. Yeah, I saw. I saw pictures of that on Twitter. Yeah. I thought it was a bit strange, but yeah. Wasn't the greatest drive in the world, but it went straight down the middle. 
So nice. that was into the teeth of what was a pretty heavy wind at that point. And I think I had eight iron into the green, short right, and putted from off the green, signed for a five. Nice. Yeah, but playing into the 18th at St Andrews is just phenomenal. That's Great. it. I turned to the guys I was playing with as well as you're walking up, and you can't fail to think about everything that's gone on there before. The funny thing is, I actually, you know, the first person I thought of randomly, Louis Eusthuizen, because I just have this really vivid recollection of the camera being just off his left shoulder, so looking right up the side of the road, taking in the Russics and all those buildings, people hanging out the windows, waving flags on rooftops. And him just taking the cap off and waving to them. For some reason, that's burned into my mind. And I was quite aware of that as I'm looking up because I'm thinking, well, I've seen this over his shoulder. Now I'm seeing exactly what he saw. The same perspective, but just mm. through his eyes. And then you look around and you start thinking about, obviously, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, Seve, Lawrence Donegan used to write for The Guardian, tweeted me last night, and he said he played the course a few weeks ago. And described it as a religious experience. People be listening to this and probably sniggering at that. It actually is. No, it's true. I'm, I'm not religious. I'm not that spiritual. But you feel something there. It's something that only a few courses in the world have. And I've not played those other courses. I've that, not played that, Augusta. You know, that, that's so. because that's because you're getting to do something that not I mean not actually a lot of golfers have done that. Yeah. I think when you get to have that experience as a golfer with all the history, all the knowledge that the the greats have played that same golf course. That's just cool. Mm -hmm. You know, get like I, you know people that have played at, at, at football pitches or you know, stadiums in the stadium. One of my mates played at Ibrox once, and he just thought it was unreal, <laughs> uh, unbelievable. I've stood on the. I mean, I'm, I'm support the opposite team, but mm -hmm. I've, I've stood on that Ibrox pitch and looked at the stadium from a perspective that hardly anyone gets to do, and it. I don't, it's just cool. Yeah, you, you can't explain that. It's, it's, it's funny it's because different. you don't get those things in other sports. I think the closest example I've got is running the London Marathon. I ran in the same race on the same road as Elliot Kipchoge, the uh -huh. fastest marathon runner ever. But four hours slower. Correct. <laughs> and you know, you're <laughs> <laughs> at least <laughs> you're just really aware that I'm doing this. So is he. That's cool. I'd love to play a rally with Andy Murray at Wimbledon Centre Court. Uh, and that, it's never going to happen. That's the, Yes, that's never going to happen. That is the thing about golf, is that when you're watching the Open this year, and you, let's like, say somebody goes around and shoots 64, whatever, you'll look at how they went around that golf course and what shots they hit, mm -hmm. the weather they played it in, the, the ball they were using, the clubs they were using, and you can directly compare yourself to that. And that's, that's why golf's the best in the world. Yeah. Because no other sport allows you to do that. There isn't a single sport in the world where you can do that. And that's so cool. It was funny. I think it was five. going to get my, my holes mixed up here. It was either four or five. Hitting my shot into the green. And I flushed it, but pulled it a little bit. So it's not hitting the green. It's just off. But as I've hit the ball and I'm seeing it, I'm hearing and feeling the contact, the first thing that popped into my head wasn't, oh, thank God I made contact, or, oh, that's a beauty. The first thing that popped into my head was Lee Trevino going, touch a class, baby, uh -huh. Seve. If you study the course and you study the history, as we do, look, it's an occupational hazard for us, but 
I think we're into it enough that we would do it anyway. But when you know all these little nuggets, the course somehow just pulls them out of you and throws them in your face as you're playing. There is nowhere like it. Genuinely nowhere like no, it. Brilliant. And I can't wait to go and play it again. Can I also say a couple of <laughs> couple of shout outs? One, another one for Jamie at Sky Sports. I won't labour this point, Jamie, because that's unfair. Let's just say I hope the repairs are expensible mm-hmm. and that the people at the old course hotel were reasonable about I it. think they will be they'll be well aware. Yes. And used to it. I will actually say I'm actually surprised it smashed. Yes. Because I thought that window would have been able to withstand that. But You'd have thought. Maybe his ball speed is quite impressive. Yeah. Tell you what, Jamie, let us know. Mm. Talk us through the shot. And another thing, at the turn, the steak and black pudding pie is one of the greatest things I have eaten on a golf course ever. Utterly spectacular <sighs> and it's the right temperature as well oh was it because you know how you sometimes get like those pies especially a steak pie you bite into it and it's like biting into mount etna you know you just end up with third degree burns around your mouth none of that it was spectacular the whole thing has whetted my appetite now for the open I, I'm, I'm always excited about an open at st andrews you're the same but now i'm buzzing for it and a few announcements yesterday by the rna about what we can expect this summer. A record attendance, 290,000 people will attend the 150th Open. That is a record by some forty to 50,000 on the previous record set in 2000 at St Andrews. First thing to say is we shouldn't really be surprised by this. It's the 150th Open. It was always going to be a big deal. But the fact that 1.3 million people applied for tickets through the Open's ticket ballot, around about 25% getting in. These are big numbers we're talking about, which demonstrates what we've just spoken about, that an Open at St Andrews is well, different gravy. I will say this, those are those are numbers that are not on the back of the Tiger Woods effect. Yep. They're numbers yep. that are, are on the back of the fact that it's an Open Championship in St Andrews, the 150th. I think it says a lot about the tournament. We can we were all going crazy about the Masters. Said it a million times. The Open's the one. Masters is brilliant. Masters is special. Can't deny it. I've got a smile on my face even talking about it and I know you do too. But the Open's just different. The Open is St Andrews. I've said this a few times in the pod. My old man says that the Open should always be at St Andrews. It should never go anywhere else. And there is a case for that. I know. But that, that's been debated and Right, your oh, old man says that. Oh no, what do sorry, you say? sorry, that's actually not correct. He he said the New Open should never leave Scotland. That's what he said. <laughs> he says the Open should never leave Scotland. I mean, he wrote the book on it. Well, so. technically, so. But uh, where do you stand on that, though? St Andrews being the sole host of Open Championships, would that be a good thing? Would that no. detract from it? No, of course it would. And I think they, they they took the Open in the early days. I can't remember what years, but we're talking eighteen hundred something, whatever. They took it round. Not the country, but it eventually started travelling. You know, it went from Prestwick to St Andrews to wherever. So no, I don't. I don't buy into that. That it should only be at St Andrews. I understand why some people say that, but it's the same old argument. I saw somebody saying, you know, that the Ryder Cup should be every four years and things like that. You know, now we've moved into a case where I like the Ryder Cup where it is. I think everybody likes it where it is. It's it's not got that long drawn out build up 
but it's got enough of a build up to get you really excited. Mm-hmm. I think if you start the open at the old course, it would lose its excitement. Like the open won't be at the old course for another five years. It'll go somewhere else. And the other courses deserve it. Like the opens at Muirfield are sensational. Like absolutely sensational. Carnoustie. What happens down the last three holes at Carnoustie and Open is always exciting. You'd lose, you would lose that. So, and it's obviously it's never going to happen anyway. But it's interesting that some people still have that feeling that that shouldn't go anywhere. I just don't get it. No, to be honest. I mean, as much as I've walked off yesterday, it's funny you mentioned the Masters. It's only two and a half weeks since I was at Augusta, and I didn't think about it once yesterday. Mm-hmm. Again, demonstrates what St Andrews does. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it's perfect as it is. We have things just really nicely just now. Mm-hmm. The Ryder Cup doesn't need to change. No. God almighty. You know, that's change for change's yeah. sake. The one thing is I think you get caught up in the moment with things like that. It's like when the US Open goes to Pebble, people get caught up in Pebble and they say, oh, it's unbelievable. And, you know, it's just, it's just it's got that element. But then when it goes somewhere else, they get caught up in yeah. that. That's what happens. And... And one of my pals is playing pebble this year, and I know he'll be the same. Is he? Yeah. So you'll get all that stuff. But St Andrews is always there. The Open is always, you've always got that in the back of your head that it's special when it goes there. And and people talk, I mean, people have been talking about this Open Championship for years. That's it. This has had a build-up that you wouldn't believe. I know. So the numbers are exceptional. And, you know, I, I saw a few people talking yesterday about, you know, it's not the greatest, greatest course to view on. And so forth. Yeah, it's not. But it's St Andrews. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, 290,000 people, a lot of them are going to struggle to see what's going on. But I'll say this, the RNA and St Andrews Lynx Trust have done a lot of work to improve viewing areas. Mm-hmm. They've actually built mounds on certain spots around the course. That, funnily enough, people were tweeting me, I'm sure they were tweeting you earlier this year, tail end of last year, saying, oh, looks like they're building a new tee. They weren't. They were building mounds mm-hmm. with a view to having this big of a number of people, so that everyone can just get a better chance of seeing what's going on. There are still going to be grumbles. There will be people who say it's too busy. People who say I can't see a thing. Darling, we're leaving. <laughs> you understand that better than most. But it's ultimately it's not going to matter because I don't think anyone has ever gone to an Open Championship. I've never heard of anyone go to an Open Championship at St Andrews and say. Yeah, it was rubbish because I didn't see a thing. It's the atmosphere that mm-hmm. creates it. It's being there. It's seeing you are part of something. It's then going the 50 to 100 metres into the town to be part of an even bigger, yeah. livelier atmosphere. It's so much more than seeing shots. Yeah. So that is it for us for part one of this week's episode. Lots more to discuss. I apologise for labouring the St Andrew's point, but I played it. You didn't. Suck it up. So loads more to come in this week's episode. Coming right up right after this. When we think speed, we think about speed tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers. Really? I just think about hitting bombs. Yeah, past him. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know. But I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think... Oh, that's bomb! With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Nastier bombs. Think speed. Go rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back. Part two of this week's episode of The Bunkered 
podcast. One more thing on St Andrews, indulge me, but there's been a lot of people getting in touch on Twitter over the last few days asking how they can get a tea time on the old course. Like, how, how are you playing and I'm not? Well, let me explain, it's, it's, mate. It's tricky, okay? So I was invited by the RNA to play in their media day, so that's slightly different. If you are looking for a tea time on the old course, best thing to do, just contact St Andrews Links. They will give you all the info. I don't really have all the up-to-date info. I don't know if you're wasting your time by trying to apply for a place. I'll say this. It's going to be busy over the next few months, so don't expect a tea time in the middle of July. But contact St Andrews Links. They can explain to you all the ways and means of getting on the course when the time is right. Even then, you may require a bit of luck. But thank you for all the interaction on social media over the last few days. It's been a lot of fun, particularly those people who gave me advice on what to do on the first hole saying things like, just make contact. And what was it you said, Mr. Just make contact. Oh, that was you. Right, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for that. (sighs) I feel like the air is about to go out of this because, yet again, we have to discuss some stuff that just feels like noisy stuff that is not quite as nice as talking about playing the world's oldest and greatest golf course. But here we are. Phil Mickelson. The comeback would appear to be... Well, the wheels are in motion, is probably the best way of putting it. Phil has submitted his entry for the US PGA, perhaps no surprise, he's the defending champion. He's submitted his entry for the US Open, perhaps no surprise, he's the defending champion of the US PGA. And he has also, we're led to believe, applied to the PGA Tour for a release to play in the Live Golf Invitational Series, the new Saudi-funded Greg Norman-backed venture, you know it by now. None of these things are necessarily that surprising because these are procedural things to do. It's good housekeeping to enter these events. There's no guarantee from Phil that he is going to play in any of them. He has the option, obviously, to still withdraw, but you can only withdraw if you've entered. So that's where we're at at with it. His agent or management company have said that Phil is just keeping his options open at this point. There's no hard and fast commitment for when he might end his self-imposed exile, self-imposed, in fair commas, exile from the game. Bryce, on the point of the Live Golf series in particular, were you surprised to see Phil's name once again linked with it, given all of the, the stuff that happened a couple of months ago? Is this a surprise that he seemingly wants to have the option to play it? <laughs> well, yeah. Yes and no. He wanted to be part of it, and then he made some very disparaging comments about the people who are running that tour, and I'm surprised he's back. But let's be honest, they need star power. Phil's pretty much that second biggest ticket in town, so they will be absolutely jumping through hoops that he's going to sign up for it. The mess that that will create, I'm not sure. Still haven't really got a grip on the consequences of these players signing up. I'm just surprised if he makes his comeback at a major championship. I find that a weird move from him. In what way? Because you're making a comeback and it, it's it's a comeback from it's not a you know, a a welcome comeback, it's a controversial comeback. It's not like Tiger at the Masters, yeah, for example. It's completely different. There's negative connotations with it and there'll be a lot of negative press with it. So why make it at a huge tournament? Why not make it at, you know, 
I, I mean, there's hardly any standard PGA Tour events these days. They're all huge, you know, $10 million events, whatever. Why not make it at one of those? That's what I can't quite get my head around. I think that's a bit strange because the world's press will be at the PGA and the US Open covering that. I think that's a bit weird. Well, there's a cynic in me that has an answer for that, which is... He loves it. Yeah, that's one of it. There's right, So there's two things. Phil loves it. The same way that we've said previously, Tiger loves the drama. Phil's cut from the same cloth. Yeah, he really enjoys being the centre of attention. He loves the limelight. The arrogance to the comments that he made shows just how much he loves the limelight and how big a deal he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. So I think the thought of coming back as defending champion from this exile, this mysterious absence from the game, when you've got the Wanamaker Trophy on the line again when you're a record-breaking major champ and it's all about you that week, that he's just going to amplify that even further. It's even more about him that week than it was previously. So I can see him coming back at the PGA. Almost like Tiger had his moment at Augusta and now Phil will have his. Your words, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, the other it. thing, it's not which a bad shout. is perhaps even more cynical. Phil could have an awful lot of new sponsors. Yes. And where better to make the biggest noise for them for the first time, when all eyes are on you and you're the defending champion, you're going to get publicity anyway than at a major championship. Yeah. So he's going to attract a lot of eyeballs that week. We also know he's got his own businesses, the Coffee for Wellness, for example. No one's going to tell me he doesn't have shares in an aviator sunglasses firm. I'm not buying that he doesn't. Phil will have things that he will want and have a vested interest in promoting for his own financial benefit. PJ ticks. Again, for the same reason as coming back and making it all about you, it ticks that same box. Is that too cynical? Maybe. But we're soon going to find out. Yeah. Listen, it's certainly, a, I know when it when it comes, people will be, the negatives will come out. But you can't deny it. It's a huge story. Of course it is. But to the point of the Live series then, to circle back to that, we've gone off track on majors. Their first event's June. So Phil could feasibly play PGA, have his big comeback there, and then potentially, oh, it's a speculation here, potentially the next thing we see him is in England at the Centurion Club as part of Greg Norman's startup. Norman did tell us a month ago that Phil has an open door to the game of golf and to the Live Series. It appears Phil wants to take him up on the, that option. It's weird. I can't think of another word for it. Phil's going to go from playing a major championship as the defending champion under record-breaking circumstances to then playing this. And potentially saying goodbye to his PGA Tour career in the process. That's the thing. That, that, I just don't understand it. It's it's odd. For English fans, it's phenomenal. I think <laughs> English fans have been hard, seriously hard done to when it comes to top-class tour events. They get hardly anything. English Opens have been long gone. I think ladies' professional golf in England... Gets hardly anything apart from the Rose series, but before that, there was largely nothing. It's Again, huge. there are some issues for that because, in terms of like international players coming and playing, tax issues and yes. so on, that becomes a big deal. Inland revenues all over it. But yeah. of all the people and organisations in golf who can mitigate those issues, well, yeah, live golf. Well, the good thing is, is you get ta- apparently they get taxed on their their endorsement income as well. And Phil's not got any. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Oh my god! <laughs> but no, it, it's it's certainly 
this new series is, it's not what I thought it would be, and I guarantee it's not what they want it to be. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. It's a watered-down version of what they wanted. Which and is probably more realistic. Oh, yeah, of course I mean, it like is. You can't just jump in and create the greatest thing ever. And that's, that's, that's what they, rare. Yeah, that's what they said they wanted to do, but that's not what's happened. They've got a watered-down version, and I know there were certain people in the game who were ridiculed for making comments about certain players being involved in it, but that's a fact. Mm-hmm. They didn't sign up to take number 85 in the world. They wanted the world's top 20. And they've not really got that. Mm-hmm. So we'll come on to them a wee bit more in a second, just to wrap up on Phil, because it looks like he will be one of the, the stars, the standouts. John Ram made an interesting comment the other day when he said, he's obviously close to Phil. He was coached, is he still coached by Phil's brother, Tim? There's a good link there anyway. They played a lot of practice rounds together. Phil seems to be a good mentor to Ram for the early part of his career. Ram said, I don't think Phil's whole career or whole legacy should change because of a couple of comments. There are different shades of grey when it comes to a couple of comments. You can say, I think that course is awful and never ever want us to go and play there ever again. You can say that Tiger plays with inferior equipment, as he did 20 years ago. But then you can call the people funding this new league, excuse my language, scary motherfuckers to get involved with. So there are shades of grey as far as a couple of comments go. Is it a bit naive of John Ram to say that? Or is he spot on? No, Should Phil's abs- legacy be no, bigger than those comments? Phil's legacy is what people think his legacy is. And if he signs up for this and the consequences as we've, so we've been led to believe all take place, then that's it for him in mainstream golf. All he's got is playing in eight tournaments a year. We've got the consequences of whether... Jay Monaghan, the PGA Tour, decides to take this further, whether he genuinely feels threatened by it, and I know there's talk about this shouldn't threaten the PGA Tour, what it will do is potentially threaten the Corn Ferry, and 100% threaten the Champions Tour. And the DP World Tour. Yeah. Um, Well, I I don't even think, I mean, I know Jay Monaghan's involved in that, but I don't even think he'll be thinking that largely. Someone else will be thinking about that. But if there's if there's the sense that this is becoming a bit of a pain in the ass for the PG Tour that they don't want to have to deal with every year, they may take this further and that will come down to the majors. And there's one club who could end it all. And they were noticeably pretty much silent on that during Masters Week. There wasn't a lot that came from it. Very non-committal. So... We'll see what happens. I think at the end of the year, we'll get a good idea of when this pans out, who plays in it, and whether the PG Tour are that bothered by it. But it might just infringe on a few of their properties that they think, wait a minute, we need to be a bit more protective here. Yeah. So once that all happens, I think we'll then understand where Phil stands. Mm -hmm. I don't think people forget what he did. I still think you look back at his first Masters win, and that's one of the best things. I mean, that was just phenomenal. Yep. Still breaks my heart for Ernie Elms. Of course. You you can't forget that over some stupid comment. And I always think these days people people largely live and let live. Yeah. You think back to... Live and let live, get it? Oh, nice. Thanks. Oh, that is good. Thank you. You didn't mean it, did you? I didn't mean it, no. But you'll take it. Let's compare, like, say, Phil to Seve. Seve had five majors. Phil's got six. And... 
it's not like Seve's career wasn't dotted with controversies. There was an awful big stink about the Ryder Cup at one point, but no one talks about that now. It's Seve, yeah. the Ryder Cup legend. Seve fell out with everyone. <laughs> he fell out with everyone. And if you go by some people's suggestions that that might have been to do with what was going on health-wise, that it yeah. affected his thinking and... That's all to be discussed, and you'll never know. Never but know. That's been suggested that there was it's plausible. A reason, yeah, there was a reason why he maybe took the huff with certain people. But Seve fell out there with him. He fell out with his fellow players. He fell out with he fell out massively with the PG with the European Tour. You know, the US Ryder Cup team hated him. He caused problems all, all throughout. He fell out with caddies, but the guy's a legend. That's the thing, people. Who know of it, know of it. Love I him. think a lot of golf fans don't know of any of that uh-huh. because that's just the perception that Seve's a legend, he's a rider and the other hero thing, and all that stuff. The other thing is that Mickelson, yeah, I think he's a bit... Yes, we could go there, but he's not killed anyone. Not yet, anyway. He's not hurt anyone. He's just made some stupid comments. It's not the end of the world. You know, the guy is a huge figure in golf. Mm-hmm. Huge. And if he gets involved in this and plays a big part in it, yeah. it adds pretty much massive gravitas to what Greg Norman and his guys are trying to do. Correct. 50 years from now, okay, let's just say that this goes exactly how Greg Norman wants it to. And this tour becomes yes. the biggest thing. Phil will be remembered as the guy who was there at the outset. He'll be he'll be remembered as what Arnold Palmer did for the Open when yeah. Palmer turned up and started playing in the Open. Helped that's make it happen. Helped yep. make it. It gave it legitimacy to the states. Yep. And that's what he, That's what they're trying to get done. But the live stuff is really interesting. We now know that the grand finale is going to be at Trump Doral in Miami. We're all familiar with Doral. It's been a PGA Tour stop until recently for as long as I can remember. Hosted the WGC, the Blue Monster course, extensively remodeled by Gil Hans. It's a spectacular venue. And the $55 million prize fund that's up for grabs at that tournament alone. Eye-popping. There is the elephant in the room that we can't get away from, though, and that is that Donald Trump's name is above the door of Doral. No great surprise, necessarily, to see Trump involved in the Live Golf series. No, because they need top-class venues that have been there, seen it, and done it. And Trump has those. Yeah. So it's not really any surprise. It's an amazing golf course, amazing setup. It's just the prize fund for that event is eye-watering. I've just just Googled it. That is pretty much more than double what the entire LET prize fund is for an entire year. Whew. LET's prize fund is 24.5 million euros. Yeah, and that's, their, that's more than double. That's their record prize money. And and I know the whole thing, well, why do they all make so much money? And we've debated that for a million years. Like, we know who the players are, they want to do it. I've seen some quotes from tour players saying they're providing for their family who have already got 14 million in the bank, I think. Fine. Just sell I, two of the cars. Yeah, you know what? It's not for me to say that you're wrong. It's, it's just, you do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. That's your life. To a point, I would say don't fill us with bullshit excuses. Potentially, yeah. But own the, it. But you know, if you want to go and do it, own it. Go and do it, yeah. And that's just the way it is. But yeah. 55 million. You thought you were nervous teeing up at the old course and the other day. Imagine teeing up for 55 million. I know. We're seeing more players being linked to this series. Louis Eustazen and Sergio Garcia not confirmed, but their names are appearing in reports. 
Sergio potentially passing up the opportunity to be Ryder Cup captain. That's a wow for me. That's a wow for me. I am I'm gutted at that. Mm-hmm. I think there's two Ryder Cup captains I would like to see. One of them is Sergio because he's pretty much... He's the man. He is the man. And the other's Poulter. Yeah. I'd love to see a Ryder Cup captain in Ian Poulter because, yeah, he didn't provide it last time round, but that guy knows how to get a team going. Yeah. And I think if the two of them pass it up, certainly Garcia, because what's important is that... The, that the Ryder Cup is a European. There's they've always got to keep encouraging the continental European players to step yep. forward because that's big. It's big for Spanish golf. Don't care what anyone sells, says. If Garcia becomes Ryder Cup captain. That's a big deal for golf in Massive. Spain. Yep. And if if he knocks that back to track down the cash, I just think you know what. It's just so disappointing. Yeah, disappointing is a good word. You think of. What we were a few years ago before COVID hit and when it was still 2024, Beth Page, I know it's now 25. But the anticipation was that you're going to see Phil as US captain in front of a the, probably the noisiest, most passionate sports crowd in the States, a New York sports crowd. Yeah. Perfect guy for that job. And potentially Ian Poulter as the European guy, the perfect foil for the Phil noise. We were promised fireworks. And what are we getting now, potentially? Like, birthday candles? Do me a favour. I, I, it's such a massive disappointment. And we, we, I think, are quite right to point out the implications that this can have on the PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Champions, DP World, all the other established tours. The Ryder Cup could be massively hit by this. PGA of America must be fuming. Their champion is given up the chance to be their Ryder Cup captain. If they... Decide, yeah. If they decide, and if they, they don't want to do that, that creates awkwardness with the PG. It's, it's, so messy. it's a total mess. I know, and <laughs> it's a mess, but it's it's massively intriguing. Yeah, that's the thing. It is going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. President's Cup could be a. F- That was really funny (laughs) 15 of the world's top 100 Are apparently taking part in this first event We'll see how that goes Colin Morikawa spoke to us After we played the old course yesterday Not sure if I mentioned that or not But we played St Andrews I played St Andrews Morikawa spoke to us via video link Last night in his capacity as the reigning champion, champion golfer, golfer of the year. Correct. Oh, Murakawa. Lots of chat about the Open, obviously. Then it moved into some chat about, rightly, about the Live Golf series. And Morikawa has not been as vocally opposed to as, say, Rory McIlroy, who said he won't play. Morikawa has said, I'm not playing. And by the way, can we know more about it? It's all just speculation. Show us the details. No one's shown us the details. So until I get that, I'm out. So it's a, I'm not playing, but dot, dot, dot. And last night he was asked on it again and made a really interesting comment where, and I'm going to paraphrase, he said, I'm in this golf for majors, not money. As if I didn't love the lad enough, because that's what I want to hear. Yeah, he's an intelligent boy. If you win majors, you're making Way more money than you'll know what to do with. So I, think I under, love that, I think, especially as a young guy. Uh-huh. You know? And yes, absolutely. I think that he's got a taste of what that 
potentially could do for his career and his standing in the game and is exactly the same with Rory McIlroy. Rory was just more blunt and tabloid-like in his okay. answer, which we all love. That's why that's, we love him. That's why we love Rory, because he just gives it straight. Morikawa gave a more measured response. Yep. And that's what it's all about. I think they are... A, a, I read somewhere last week somebody saying that the, the PGA, supposedly behind the scenes, the PGA Tour, are worried that this new tour starts to pick off college players in the States. Yeah, you can see that. Starts to sort of tap people into this new, you know, you can go and join the PGA Tour and you can go and play Bay Hill and you can qualify. You can play a, a year on the Corn Ferry and waste your time playing Corn Ferry to try and get one of a few spots to go on the PGA Tour. And then when you get in, you might win and you, you'll get, maybe if you finish 17th, you'll get 70 grand. If you play with us, finish 17th, we give you a million. And there's no cut. And you'll play three rounds instead of four. Yeah. All that stuff. And you think, Oh, yeah, I get and I that. think they're worried about that. So I can understand that. Do I think that's going to happen? No, because there's not enough events and enough spots. There's not enough field places to justify that. So I don't think that's going to happen. But it is good to hear Morikawa come out and speak like that. Mm-hmm. I've said this before. He's an intelligent boy, yeah. and he, to hear somebody come out and say he's not in it for the money. I like that. Yeah, he's very warm and engaging and articulate, but with it, he also knows himself. Like that, He's got a total understanding of who Colin Morikawa is and what he wants. And when you add all that up, you've got something that's very Tiger-esque, but arguably better. Mm-hmm. Tiger was never warm. Tiger was never that engaging. Morikawa gives you a bit more, but without sacrificing any of him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by that? So I thought his comments last night were great. I can't not bring this up, but <laughs> Greg Norman, the man behind all this, timely with the Open Championship Media Day taking place, I wonder if he knew. He said over the weekend, or comments came out over the weekend, that he quite fancies playing in the Open this summer. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have the handicap to enter, so I can't. Oh, it's throwing me. Uh, yeah, Norman playing. I've just got visions of you pegging it up. That'd be brilliant. Can you imagine giving the nannies after the round at the mix zone? So, Bryce, talk me through your 94. <laughs> Bog- birdies and bogeys, but yeah. <laughs> or bogeys and doubles, as it would be. I, I didn't leave any shots out there. <laughs> I hit them all. I hit them all. <laughs> um, Norman, he made comments that he would love to play in the Open this summer uh, as a past champion. He thinks he's entitled... Let's deal with this quickly. One, he's 68. 67, his exemption was up seven years ago as a past champion. He's not eligible to play. Surely he knows He knows that. Must right? know. Yeah, he knows Must that. know. Surely he knows that. He hasn't played in the championship since when? 2012? What was that? We're talking years anyway. No, maybe 2010. He no. certainly no, played, he played at he, Turnberry in 2009. Was that the last time? It would have been because he finished third the year before at Burkdale. Yeah, he blew it at Burkdale. He blew it at Burkdale, exactly, when he was going for his own history. Then played Turnberry, so I might have this wrong, but I... Anyway. Whatever. He wants to play this year. So the only way he can get in, one of two ways, he can qualify, which his people have said he's not going to attempt to do, which leaves only one other route, which is a special exemption from the RNA. There is a precedent. Tom Watson got a special exemption to play in 2015 after he had aged out so that he got the opportunity to say, 
cheerio on the bridge. But it's a seldom used precedent. It's not like the Masters where they'll just throw out invitations. And the thing is, you you tend not to ask for it. Correct. Certainly not publicly. No. Certainly not publicly to use it to use it as a vehicle to promote your rival tour. Correct. So there's not a chance in hell he's getting an exemption. Feels like he quite fancies the chance to stand on the bridge like Watson, like Nicholas, like Palmer, and have his farewell wave. It seems like he's decided, I want that chance. Yeah. I'm and now's a really, really timely time to do it. Besides, I might not get another opportunity. I think he's you're got, not getting this opportunity, Greg. No, no, I think he's got a slightly higher perception of himself. He's pretty much got the same major record as Retief Goosen, I think. One, both won two majors. Yes. And I don't think uh, Retief Goosen will be asking publicly the RNA for an exemption. Retief Goosen was never world number one, though, was he? Yeah, true. But I'm not buying that. Major for major, bit, I know the point you're making. strange. The RNA did release a statement through one of their spokespeople saying that we're probably not going to do that, or words to that effect. They were yeah. nicer words than that, but yeah. I don't think we're going to be seeing Greg Norman at the Open this summer, unless he qualifies. We'll see. Amazing, so many people ate that up, though. Like, <gasps> Greg Norman's going to play the Open. No, he's not. No. I think he would struggle around the old course. So he doesn't play golf. No. Has he still got all his fingers after chopping his hand off? <laughs> How's he going to grip the club? <laughs> Billy, what's his name in Happy Gilmore? Chubbs. Chubbs, Chubbs Peterson. Yeah. Perhaps. I think he was okay. Yeah. I don't think he did lose any fingers. No. But, nah, I don't see it happening. But the noise around Norman and Live Golf, it's predictable, it's understandable, it's appropriate, but let's keep it realistic at the same time, please, people. Anyway, moving on. The Podder of Merit. Oh, right, okay. Rattle through this very quickly. I'm sure you will. Last week, the ISPS handed the championship in Spain. Bryce picked Pablo Rathabal. I picked Nikolai Hoygaard, and Bryce won the points. Uh, sorry, I was actually doing something on my phone there. Say that again, Michael. You won the points. I, I won the points. Yes. No, okay, look, I'll give you a wee moment. Rathabal, fantastic shout, and he won. He did, didn't he? He did. That was good, wasn't it? My boy, Nikolai Hoygaard, tied 71st. He made the cut and then was pretty much last of those who did. That was Larathabal's eighth DP World Tour win, I believe. His first in Spain. Unbelievable final round. Shot a 62 to get it across the line and to win you not just one, but two points. Yes. Nice. That's narrowed it to 8-7. Yes. This is the closest it has ever been. Is that right? Yes. So, 8-7 to yours truly as we approach the, the business end, the sharp end of the, the latest Potter of Merit season. The Tour Championship section of the <laughs> Potter of Merit, <laughs> which is not for £55 million. No, and it's not presented by Coca-Cola, but should be. Iron Brew, if you're out there and you're listening, you know what yeah, to do, lads. Yeah, yeah. Get in touch. Our phones are on. So, this week, it is the Mexico Open at Vedanta. And, Bryce, it is your honour. I'm going with my man. He's had a bit of injury, a bit of poor form, but he's going to recover and he's and he's home. And I'm always throwing a pen across the studio, people. He's he's angry. He's throwing and he's written it down as well. <laughs> oh, he's angry. I am going with Abraham Answer. And now you need to think of somebody else. 
That's disgusting. Well, as I've done twice before, and you've picked up a win and a runner-up spot. When well, I, go for it then. Let's, let's continue your, this. If if I was you, I'd pick Luke Donald. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going. <laughs> to. <laughs> I like Luke, great yeah, guy, yeah, I like him. great golfer, but I'm not picking him. I'm no, go, uh, you know what? Go big or go home. John Ram, saw it. Yeah, all right. Again, hasn't shown a huge amount of form this year. Seems angrier than usual. He does seem a bit pissed <laughs> off, doesn't just he? Chill, John. Life's good. But he needs to show something before his US Open title defence. I'm sure that's on his mind. Big summer coming up. Opportunities for him. And it all starts this week in Mexico. So, okay, fine. You're going with Abe. Answer. John Ram for me. 8-7 to me. The Podder of Merit. It's getting interesting. It's like the Champions League semi-finals. Or the Europa League semi-finals. But some of us know more about football than others. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I'm, this week you didn't think no, I wasn't going to no, mention it somehow do that, man. No. Move on. honesty box then and this is inspired by Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter what a, yeah. what a guy do we think imagine, imagine having four, is it 44 billion dollars he had yeah that, well, that's what he spent on Twitter imagine he's the world's having, richest man just now. having 44 billion dollars to buy some platform for let's keep or getting, a, getting a stamping on the question here a wee bit. Billion. <laughs> it's a strange one though, isn't it? Why buy Twitter? Do you know what I mean? I know that he's doing it because he's all he about can. freedom of speech. Well, he can, yes, but he's also about freedom of speech and all that sort of stuff. And it's every voice got, to be heard. It's already got freedom of speech. That's the whole thing. Well, it's been blocking some high profile, slightly unsavoury accounts. Yeah, but that's because they've been telling lies. That's the yes. difference between freedom of speech and spreading misinformation, which is illegal. Yes, but then there is the worry that fringe elements might start to use Twitter, now that they're unbanned, as they potentially may be, to spread propaganda or to spread not necessarily facts or lies masquerading as facts, but to throw some thoughts out there. Uh-huh. And that makes an already horribly toxic place even more toxic. Worse. Yes. Yes. I know exactly. So well, interesting. interesting one. Elon Musk, a interesting bloke. PayPal was involved there. You were telling me he didn't actually found Tesla, but yeah, bought he just it. bought it. Yeah. Fair enough. He's done well out of it. It's now the world's. He's pretty good at making money, even though yeah. Tesla lost something like two hundred million. You say overnight. that, but I was just about to say it's the world's most valuable car brand at this point in time. Yeah. I was hearing on the radio yesterday. Yeah, but this morning it lost something like twenty-one percent of its value it's overnight. Value, so yeah. now he's going to have to sell his shares in Tesla to fund the purchase of Twitter. But these guys just move money around like Marty Bird. By the way, Ozark final part. If you're watching it, on it, it starts on, thir- on, on it. Friday. Sorry, PG Tour Friday. You've just lost a viewer. Yes. Who makes the cut? Don't know. I'll get back to you on Saturday. So, <laughs> I'll check Abraham Ansel's position on Saturday morning. This is taking a weird tangent. We're now talking about Elon Musk potentially being involved in... Are we talking about him being a money launderer with Marty Bird and Jason Bateman? Yeah, yeah. Propping why, up? why are we asking? Why are we talking about so, this? So, yeah, that prompted the, the purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk. SpaceX as well. Let's not forget that. It's kind of cool. Don't know anything about it. I don't care either, so don't explain okay. it. Okay. He purchased Twitter... $44 billion he spent on it. So my question is, what, or would be, with that amount of money, your biggest and most extravagant golf purchase? I don't think there's anything worth. Mind you, if, if you had 
that level of wealth. If you were to it. buy, I mean, how, this is the thing, how much is, would it be to buy Augusta? How, genuine question. The people who, the people who are members at Augusta, that's mm-hmm. the setup at Augusta. Are they part owners or how does that work? Oh, I don't know. They're, they're never going to like it. One thing that. I've not looked into is the money behind Augusta and how it works and if it's a members club, if it's a, like some sort of organ, I mean, it's obviously an organisation. Mm-hmm. It's a tour. It's a business. It's a tour with one event. Well, one and a half. So there has to be, I just wonder if you said to Augusta, we'll buy it for whatever. But I, I know, I if you were to buy Augusta, 44 million wouldn't be anywhere near. 44 billion. Sorry, 4 billion would be absolutely nowhere near what Augusta's worth. I can't, we do know, I don't want to go into it, but I do know the amount of money Augusta makes is absolutely staggering. And they invest it very cleverly in their local area. They spend big time in the local area. They have big charity days and so on, and they pump money into the local economy like you wouldn't believe. I can't imagine that you would just go and buy Augusta. Because I was thinking if I was going to buy a golf course, obviously you're going, you're to, going to buy Augusta. Buy Augusta. You're going to try to. Because I, I wonder played- what, that's, that's a good question, though. See if you distill it down and you say, Hello, Chairman Ridley. I have a check for $44 billion to Go acquire away. you. What would, what would he say? <laughs> Jog on. That's what he would say. It's never going to happen. No. But I played... Then you've got to maintain it to that I've spec, told this story though. before. I played King's Barnes, and I probably shouldn't be telling anyone this, but saw it. I played King's Barnes, and I was coming up the... I was coming up the ninth, mm-hmm. and this guy sort of wandered in off the rough and said... He said, do you mind if I join you for a few holes? And he just had like three clubs in a bag, like rubbish clubs in a <laughs> bag. I said, yeah, and you go, yeah. It was me and a couple of my pals. I was like, fine, then, no problem. We uh, offered to buy him something at the halfway house. I was like, no, fine. And we So did he just appeared? Yeah, yeah. What, like Ray Liotta out of the, yeah. the cornrows and fields of dreams? It's like that's, hello. that scene in Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt's behind the curtain yes. and Anthony Hopkins. He's yeah. like, hello. <laughs> like that. And he comes out and uh, I'm walking up the tent. I tee off and he tees off and we're walking up the tent together. I just said, you know, how are you getting on? And he says, oh, yes, fine. And I said, so you just, like, I felt like saying to him, why the hell are you playing golf with me? <laughs> He's like, I said, how are you getting on? And he said, fine, fine. I said, he just out for a few holes. He's like, yes, yes. I said, all right, you should, do, do you play here often? He's like, yes, well, I, I, I own it. I like, what? I was like, oh. All right, okay, well, that's... I was like, thanks very much for letting me play your so course. this guy told you he owns so this Barnes. guy... Did you do any checks, Bryce? Because I could feasibly well, walk on and say, yeah, I own yes, Barnes. you're about to learn. So he walked up that... I think we then played 10, then we played 11, and, and on the 11th tee, he hit his shot. I think he picked up his ball, and then he just sort of said, well, I'm off, I'll see you later, and he just went off the right-hand side, jumped over a fence. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> I was like... What did the, you dream this? I was like, "What the hell just happened there?" So uh, the the I went into the clubhouse and the then GM was David Scott, who's yep. now at Dunbarney, and I said to David, "Look, something weird happened. <laughs> this guy joined me on the golf. He was a really nice guy. He joined me in the golf course, perfectly normal, and um, just played a few holes with us, and then sort of." Bugger talk. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And he said, Oh yeah, he's the he's the leaseholder. So he lives at Campbell House next door. So oh, you can stay really? at Campbell House. So 
they own the lease for the land at Kings Barnes, blah, blah, blah. So they, he didn't own the golf course, but he technically owned the land. So he's oh, able he's wow. able to just, because of who he is, he's able to just sort of turn up at Kings Barnes and go and have a knock. And I think, how cool is that? So I think there's a house, and I don't know who lives in it. There's a house in the middle of Royal Troon. Yes, so yes, I I'd know like, what you mean. I'd like to live there. I would buy that. Great shout. But I think, honestly... A house at a golf course that would just give you free reign to just jump out and like the one of the the, the white building that sold for what was it ten million a few years ago? I don't know how much it's worth now. Is it on the street next to the eighteenth? I think that would be yeah. I'd buy that. Don't know how much that's worth, but what are you going to do with forty four billion? Buy a lot of things. I think for me, oh, would Herb Kohler accept my offer for Hamilton Hall? And just but, have it as a massive pad. I was going yeah. to say bachelor pad, but that would require you leaving your wife. Yeah, that's not happening unless she leaves me. So, yeah. well, she wouldn't leave you. You've got forty-four million. <laughs> well, she might. What leave, are you saying about well, her? She might, Jesus Christ! She might then she choose. Listens to this. She might then choose to divorce you and take twenty-two. Don't give her ideas. Right, sorry, for God's sorry. Sake. Well, you don't get the money yet, but you know. What right, I mean? okay. So you could. You'd have to. Yeah. But for those that don't know, cool that's that red sandstone building. Yeah, that would be a 18th. cool place to live. The yeah. first building in Scotland, of course, with the uh, running water. Uh, running hot water in the hotel. Oh, really? Something in like every that, room. Yep. Running hot water in every room. Yep. As a, let's let's make yeah, that. They clear. had they had water, and it was hot. Yes, but it was in every, every room. room. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that would be really cool to own. I don't know what I'd do with it. It's a big, big space, so I'd have to do stuff. I think uh, to be fair, you could probably buy every. You could buy every single mega mansion on Seventeen Mile Drive. Oh. With that money at Pebble, and then just close them all and give them to all your pals, and you would all live on Pebble Beach. Yeah, I'd chuck out Jim Nance from his house. Get Jim out; he'd be raging, be like, "What's going on here?" Like, you go, "Hello, friend." I'll beat it. Yeah, goodbye, friends. <laughs> Hiya, pals. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be tempting. I've never been as that that far west uh, in amazing. America, so I think amazing. I'd quite like to go there. But you know what else? I would, I would just buy a big private jet i know that's not going to eat much into the 44 billion that i've got but i'd buy a private Probably jet would. and i would just go to all of the courses and say the world's top 100 i would write my own top 100 list say here are the ones i want to go and play so you're talking fan court for example down in south africa i'd love to go and play there barn Bugle dunes i'd love to go and play that well without Tasmania. without giving a huge shout out to the company Let's just say a friend of the family, I know somebody that runs a mega exclusive golf tour company, like mega exclusive. They have a building in, in the outskirts of St. Andrews, which is a, I think it's a Michelin star. What? And they do basically mega corporate upper tier trophy course tours and it's filthy money. You could do that. That okay. would be pretty cool. However... You're talking about ownership. I, I wouldn't want to do too much travelling. I think if I was just going to chill out, well, I you get homesick. Yeah. So I'm talking if I could, but whoever lives in that house at Troon, if you're willing to sell that to me, if I've got 44 billion, I think look, we might. we'll call it 10 million. But what I mean, what would that be worth? And I want to know who lives there. Somebody who's listening to this, tell me who lives in that house. Bryce's DMs are open. Get in touch and let them know. I don't have any money, to be fair. But I, if they could let me have a tour about, that'd be nice. <laughs> you actually asking and to do, get in that yeah, person's house. And do they get, surely they get 
around the golf because the guy at King's Barnes is going to walk onto the golf course. Yeah, you assume so. Well, I mean, the house is on the course. You'd like to think that if, if that's a private resident that lives there and we don't know for certain that it is, some Twitter user is going to tell us. But if it is a private resident, what a spot to watch the Open from. I know. Like, what are you doing just now? I'm going to go out and cut the grass from Hillsdale there. I might as well watch Tiger coming down 15. It's going to have a wee knock. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. That is a cool house. But I, th- I think going places like Barnboogle Dunes, Cape Kidnappers, even just to see it. I've heard it's not a great golf course, but just to go and say I've played it. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose am I a little bit materialistic in the sense that I want to tell people that I've played it? But we of spent course. half an hour talking about the old course yes, earlier of on. Course. So, yeah. Yes, I think that'd be quite cool to do. And I think I would still have a lot of money left over. Then it's a question of, what do I buy? I know. I'd would, love, I'd love the idea have. of buying a golf course that's, you know me, I like my munis. Buy one of those and invest in it, but have enough money behind it that I can still run it as effectively a municipal. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. Like, create the world's greatest municipal course. Like, buy Augusta, then make it a public course. Seven dollars a round. That could be a situation that... <laughs> <laughs> you need to make money off this. I'm thinking. You no, know, I don't. I've got 44 billion. By the time I wake up tomorrow, I know, the interest I think, alone I will give me. But I don't think you're going to be able to buy Augusta for 44 billion. You're going to struggle. Okay, let, let's pick somewhere else and let's say that I buy Pebble Beach already as a public course. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, buy Pebble Beach, then make it private. <laughs> <laughs> and all our pals in 17 mile drive in the houses, they're private. Buy you, and close. Balfron. Close. Oh, yeah, I already bought that. Close. Close 17 mile drive. Close it. Yeah, it's a private community. Carmel is now mine. Here's a question. Would you go and live in Jupiter Island next to Tiger, next to Ricky, next I've to Bruce? I've been there. I've I've had one of my worst experiences was there. Because you were so poor, you weren't allowed to stay? No, I, I, I don't think I've told that story in the pod, but it's for another time. Okay. I'll do that another time. Bryce on Jupiter. Bryce on Jupiter. But I've been there. Would I buy that? No. Okay, and we'll find out why on a future episode. I mentioned Brooks Kepka there just before we finish up to circle back to the start, to go back to St Andrews. I think he was there yesterday. So did my playing partners. Really? We were coming down 14 and teeing off on what would that be? Five, maybe? He was the only guy that was playing off the tips. I had maybe four or five other people with him. This guy was teeing off from the tips. Big hitting guy. Had the Brooks, you know how Brooks Kepke's got that wee idiosyncrasy after he hits his tee shots? Mm-hmm. Had that. Same swagger, same slow demeanour, just slightly too far away to tell for sure. And I'm thinking, well, why the hell would Brooks Kepke be playing St Andrews today? Then I think I joined the dots. I may have added two and two together and gotten 76 million. He's going to the Celtic game on Sunday? Not that. Right. Definitely not that. <laughs> Jenna Sims, his fiance, did she not have her hen weekend at the weekend just there? That was her hen party, or bachelorette as they call it. Bachelorette. I'm sure that was her hen. She had weekend. it in Dundee. No. Maybe. Who knows? She it's a good place Sams. to have it. Fat I should point Sams. out Dundee's a brilliant place is, for yeah. the benefit of the, uh, the owners. But <laughs> what? they don't own Dundee. Yeah, but they're, they're from there. <laughs> <laughs> Say nice things about the town. Jeez, oh. But it's a city, is it? Yeah, it's called the city of discovery. So it is. It's not called the town of discovery. Can we move away from Dundee? I feel like we're going to end up sacked. We're going to get fired. If Jenna is having her bachelorette, whatever it might be, 
why wouldn't Brooks have his bachelor party at St Andrews and get some old course reps in? It's a really, yeah, really solid I th- I, theory. I think it's a solid theory, but I think we would have heard if Brooks Kepka was at the gym no for a curry with his mates. <laughs> would we have heard if he played the old course, though? No. Famous people play the old course All the every time. day never of the week. About it, and never hear about it. Arnie are very good at telling nobody. So the links trust. Yeah. So I've just ruined that for them, potentially. Yeah. But look, that's my job. No one told me not to. Embargo, <laughs> who cares? So... Yeah. There you go. I may have shared a golf course yesterday with Brooks. Kipka. Well, I tell you what. Before we go, I I was actually working on Monday night while you were getting your kit. No, you, no, you weren't. Yes, I was. I was working until nine on Monday. I night. was. I got home at half ten on Monday night. So I'm. I am. Oh, that's to be fair. You were working Monday night, so and, and I started at half seven. That's right. That's to right. To do our day, our okay, weekly you, email Yes, newsletter. you've won that. You've won Thanks. that. So I was hanging at Turnberry that night the Ailsa it's the first time I got to see the Ailsa since it had been redone many years mm. ago because no one ever invites me Ricky if you're listening I would like an invite I, I can make that happen too. and I have to say the Ailsa looked unbelievably good really yeah stood on the news at the ninth. yes and oh, wow amazing yeah so since that redesign's been done and since it reopened, I think I've played it three or four times. Really? Yeah. That's great. But next time I'll play... Well, I'll see. I might take you. Yeah. I was... Honestly, I was blown away. Yeah. It's stunning. It's stunning. Do you think what nine was previously to what it is now? Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Spectacular. Anyway. So, yeah. We've, we've kind of finished up where we started, which was me playing top-level golf courses and you just being there. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bryce and the Olympic standing there team. So well done to you. And well done to you for listening. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bunkered Podcast and making it through with us. Well done. Give yourself a pat on the back. We'll be back this time next week with more of the same. Until then, wherever you are playing, if it's the old course, enjoy. Get in touch. Let me know. I'll give you some advice. But wherever you might be playing, whatever you might be doing, have fun doing it. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.